Okay. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. I see that we are all excited to be here today. Welcome. We're glad that you are here this morning, and we welcome, welcome everybody uh, to our congregation this morning. Uh, we want to welcome our guests, especially today. Uh, you're very important to us. We're glad that you're here and, uh, and hope you'll feel very much a part of our family as we worship God together. Uh, a few things I'd like to call to your attention. First of all, uh, let me remind everyone of our attendance sheets. They're on each row. Uh, if you wouldn't mind taking those and filling them out and passing, passing those down the row so we could have a record of your attendance with us, we'd certainly appreciate uh, getting that information from you. Uh, and several things that we have coming up. First of all, we had a wonderful experience at, um, at our Eclipse outing at, at Berna, Kentucky. I think we got some, uh, some pictures that are going to go up with that. Uh, let's see here. We got them coming? Look, look at that. Look at that. Isn't that cool? That's the diamond ring effect. Oh, gosh. <laughs> That's the way to do it. Isn't it? Uh, Bob, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's probably <laughs> Yeah, we, 
Notice that we got we got moon pies, Sunny D, and and uh, what was it? And sun uh, uh, yeah, sun chips there. So we had the whole theme going. It was a great day. We had a lot of fun, and man, it was a really neat experience to uh, to share that time with you. And I understand we got another one coming in only seven years. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Uh, so so thank you for those that participated in that. Uh, our upperclassmen were mostly a part of that. And this group will not be deterred, folks. We're meeting again tomorrow uh, for a potluck lunch. So our upperclassmen group will uh, meet for lunch. And if anybody would like to come and be a part of that, we invite you to, to join us tomorrow at noon. Our, our women's mission group will... Um, be meeting on Tuesday uh, for dinner at Rookies, and so if you're a part of that, uh, if you would like to be a part of that, uh, please uh, see Brittany Smith and let her know that you're, you're coming so we can have an idea of how many people does plan for. Our Hoops and Cheers uh, program, our basketball and cheerleading program is up and running as we are in the midst of doing uh, registration for that. That's going well, and I think we have another Another day of registration uh, on Friday, I believe. And coming up uh, on the first weekend of October, we always have the Highway 60 yard sale and um, that runs all up and down Highway 60. I think it's like 200 miles of yard sale, which is crazy to me. But we participate in that, and so... Uh, if you would like to bring your items for the yard sale, please do. We have a room back behind this wall um, that you can put your things. And if you have large things, if you wouldn't mind waiting until the last week beforehand to bring those so we can have room for everything. So uh, just please, please bring those. And we will be also doing our barbecue during that time as well. So um, we'll have, and we want to do a lot of pre-selling with that. And so you can see Mike Suggs, he can give you some more information about that. We'll be getting the forms out. Do we have the forms available yet, Mike? we got tickets available now, so see Mike and you can get tickets for pre-sale. And that's the way that we sell most of our, our items is with pre-sale. And so I uh, hope you can take some tickets and sell those uh, uh, because the money that we, go, that we get from that goes towards some of our mission projects here. Now, something else we need to take care of, and I'm always like, I always like to do that, and I need some volunteers. So, folks, come on up. We need some volunteers. It's time to time to cut another chain, another link on our chain. So we need. Let's see here. Come on, we need we need more volunteers than this. Come on, folks, we need some volunteers. All right. These chains represent the debt that we have on our building. The long chain here has 120 links on it, which represents $1.2 million. That's the debt that we 
incurred when we built this building over 20 years ago. And, uh, and last year we decided we want to really attack this and, and go after it really hard. And, um, and at that point, in February of 2016, we started our, our debt reduction campaign. And at that time, we were just a little bit under $600,000 that we owed on the building there. Um, and so what we've been doing is cutting a link every time we surpass a $10,000 mark. Because each one of these links represent $10,000. Let's see here. This, this is the halfway point. This is the starting point of where, where we were when we started back in uh, February of 2016. So, uh, Bob, take that end all the way to Jesse, to the end of Jesse. So this kind of shows, this kind of shows the progress that we've made so far in 18 months. Um, our balance at the end of July was $414,569 dollars, which, which means that we will cut our 18th link since beginning our campaign with each link representing $10,000. That means that we have contributed over $180,000 in 18 months towards the reduction of our debt. We're, we are on a pace of almost uh, right at about uh, one link per month, about $10,000 per month, which is tremendous. And the faster, the more we, we do this, the faster the pace will pick up because more of our regular debt will, I mean, our regular payment will go towards principal than it will uh, towards interest. And so it's kind of a snowballing effect there. So each month we're getting a little bit closer uh, to being completely debt-free and getting this, this link, this change is totally gone. And... Uh, out from around our necks, so you you uh, you deserve a great uh, a great thank you. You deserve a great appreciation and a great pat on the back because you've done a wonderful job for that. And so I am so grateful for you. And so I'm going to cut another link here. This is our 42nd link, and um, so we only have 41 more links to go. We are getting there, folks. Now, that being said. This is the end of summer, and um, and those of you who have been in church for a while probably recognize that summer. There's a there's a term that we use in the biz. It's called the summer slump. <laughs> uh, people go on vacation. Our attendance usually drops down a little bit of, at during the summertime. And our, our, um, our contributions drop during the summertime as well. This summer has been no different. Our contributions have dropped down uh, pretty significantly over the summertime. And so, um, and our, our reserves are getting a little precarious, folks. So I just want to put that out there and ask you if you can put in a little bit more and uh, help us to pick up a little bit. I would feel a little bit more comfortable about that. So. Uh, thank you so much for that. I know you are great and you are contributing uh, so much and doing so great towards this call. So thank you so much. Uh, let's stand and greet each other in the name of the Lord. Thank you, guys. Thank you. 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 Thank you.
Let us pray together. Gracious God, because you are holy, we seek to be holy. And sometimes that is not easy. And so today, O oh God, we want to find those places where we avoid the pain of growth, where we hide from our responsibilities, where we live in denial, where we protect ourselves from disappointment, when we live in a world where we know that bad things happen. And yet too often we put our heads in the sand and we ignore them. Help us, O oh God, to be bold in your name. Let us not live in fear, fear of failure, fear of setback, fear of anything. But let us acknowledge our fears as we focus our attentions and our efforts on serving you and serving our neighbor as well. For all that we do that benefits your children also glorifies you. Holy God, we pray for authentic faith. We pray for faith that will empower us to seek you always. We pray for faith that will give us the energy to love our neighbors however we best can do that with the gifts that you have given to us. Help us, O oh God, to love our neighbor and to lift up your name in praise. We know you have given gifts through your spirit that give us the ability to serve you in different ways. But sometimes we are either unsure or unwilling to put those gifts to work. So help us to be courageous, to grow in a faith that will lead us to be faithful servants, not merely faithful believers, but servants. We pray all these things in the name of the object of our faith, our brother and our friend, Jesus the Christ. Amen.
question for you. Have you ever been afraid of anything? What have you been afraid of? Spiders. What have you been afraid of? Snakes. Mm. What about you? Poison ivy? Yeah, okay, okay. So I've been afraid of talking in front of people. And I've been afraid of having my two-year-old son talk a lot during church (laughs) (laughs) or wine or or things like that. What are you afraid of? Spiders. Spiders. Oh, my goodness. So tell me, what do you do when you're afraid of something? What do you do when you're afraid? You run away. What do you do? You do what? Hit it with a stick. You hit it with a stick. Did you all know that there is somebody that's always with you that can help you when you're afraid? Hey, hey, I'm going to tell you something. Well, wait until after we're done, okay? Did, did you all know that there's always someone with you that can help you when you're afraid? Who's with you when, when you're afraid? God, that's right. Yes, sir, what did you... Your mom, yeah. And Jesus, yeah. So, so God is always with you. And I wanted to talk to you a little bit this morning about faith. Can somebody tell me what the word faith means? That's okay. Faith is believing in something even though you can't see it with your eyes or hear it with your ears. And that's what we do with God. God is always there for us to call on when we need strength to, come, to overcome our fears. Like right now, I'm, I'm afraid sitting in front of you talking because I'm a little nervous and my hands are shaking, but the one thing that lets me get through it is the fact that I know that God is always with me, okay? So let's say a little prayer to God this morning, and I'll show you how to talk to him and ask for him for strength, okay? And then we'll go to our, our class. Can you bow your heads with me? All right. God, thank you for this day, and thank you for all your many blessings and everything you do for us. And please, please, grant me the strength to overcome my fears. I'm afraid, and I know that you are the rock that I can lean on to overcome my fears. In your name we pray. Amen.
Heavenly Father, it is so great to trust in your name. Thank you for the gifts of compassion, love, and service, and being the great example of those that you are to us in our lives. We ask that you take these gifts and these offerings that are about to be presented, bless them, and use them for the building of your kingdom, both here and afar. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Scripture reading this morning comes from Matthew, the 14th chapter, verses 22 through 33. While you're preparing for that, I'm going to tell you a little story. It's the, the scripture that is about Jesus walking on the water. And I thought, how miraculous would that be for me to look out my front windows of my home and see somebody walking across the Ohio River? About that time, I turned on social media, and there was... Lo and behold, George Day, that's married to Rhonda Day, walking or skiing barefoot on the river. <laughs> so if you know, we do know of somebody that in Henderson, Kentucky, that walks on the water. That story just came to me right when I was studying this scripture this morning. Listen prayerfully as I read. Immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he dismissed the crowds, he went up the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But by this time, the boat, battered by the waves, was far from the land. For the wind was against them, 
And early in the morning he came walking toward them on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, It is a ghost. And he cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Peter answered him, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat, started walking on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he noticed the strong wind, he became frightened. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him, saying to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God.
Wow, thank you, choir. What a beautiful song. Lead me, Lord, and I will follow. Um, you know, to do something like that, it takes a lot of guts, doesn't it? And sometimes God calls us to go places and to do things that we don't even we don't even know what's ahead of us. And the Bible's full of things like that. He called Abram and Sarai to to move from their their home and go someplace that he wasn't even telling them where they were where they were going. And they said, Okay, we're willing to follow. That took a lot of guts, didn't it? Uh, and, and God does that all the time in the Bible, and he's still doing it today. Um, to follow God uh, can be a fearful proposition. And that's my segue <laughs> into the sermon. I read about a, a family that decided to go on vacation in Colorado uh, a while back, and they flew into Denver and rented a car. And while they were there, they visited the, the famous Royal Gorge Bridge. Some of you may have been there before, and if you haven't been there, uh, the bridge can be a little scary to drive across because this bridge stands over a 1,000 feet above the Arkansas River. It's huge. And walking out onto the bridge, the, the dad noticed that it was kind of swaying a little bit in the wind. And then a car drove by, and, and, and the wood plank roadway moved beneath their feet. And so Dad said rather nervously, I don't think I want to drive, a, drive the car across that bridge. And so the daughter replied, what are you worried about? It's a rental. Well, it might have been a rental, but he was still a little bit apprehensive about going out on that bridge. And some of us can probably sympathize with him. <clears throat> I mean, we get a little nervous sometimes just getting across the bridge to Evansville, don't we? Especially, especially in the, these days. Uh, so if you've ever been afraid, you can sympathize with Simon Peter. If you'll remember the story, we've, we've kind of been following along through the Gospel of Matthew here recently. And, and if you remember, Jesus has just fed about 5,000 hungry men and an untold number of women and children. And, and after that, he told his disciples to get into a boat and go on ahead of him to the other side of the lake while he dismissed the crowds. <clears throat> In John's gospel, we read that he did this he, uh, because he dismissed the crowds because he, the people were ready to proclaim him as their king after he had, had performed such a an amazing miracle of feeding all of these people. And so after he, after he dismissed the crowd, Jesus went off by himself to pray for a while. Meanwhile, the, the boat carrying the disciples just kind of booked it across towards the other side of the lake. And then suddenly a storm came up and the boat was being tossed about with, uh, by the wind and the waves and, and naturally the disciples were frightened. And then just before dawn, the disciples saw something that really scared them. You see, they looked out across the water, and they saw something coming towards them, and their immediate thought was that this was a ghost. But it was not. It was Jesus, and he wasn't water skiing. He was walking across the water on top of the lake, and so Jesus says to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Now, Peter 
had one of those personalities in which he often spoke or acted before he thought. And this was no different. You see, when Peter, when Jesus identified himself to the disciples, Peter, without even thinking about it, replied, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come out there to you. And that's when Jesus said, come on in. The water's fine. And so Peter gets out of the boat and starts walking towards Jesus on the water. But then he starts thinking about what he's doing here. And it's like, no, this isn't possible. I can't do this. And, and he notices the wind and the waves swirling around him. And he, and he starts to wonder if, whether this was such a good idea after all. The Sea of Galilee was deep. It's cold. He didn't have a life preserver on And then it happens. He starts to sink. But he cries out to Jesus, Lord, save me. And my picture of what happens next may be a little bit different from yours. My picture of what happens next is that Jesus looks at Peter sinking there in front of him. And he probably shrugs his shoulder and gives a little sigh of disappointment. And he says, You of little faith, why did you doubt? And then in my mind, Jesus grabbed Peter by the the scruff of the neck or by the the collar of his robe and just drug him the rest of the way to the boat. (laughs) And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down, and we are told that the disciples, including Simon Peter, began to worship Jesus, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. That's an exciting story that has captured the imagination of people all throughout the ages. Mark Twain once referred to this story when he and his wife were, were in the Holy Land. They were on a visit to the Holy Land, and they, they spent the night at a resort on the Sea of Galilee, and it was, it was a beautiful night. It was one of those, one of those magical nights. There was a, there was a full moon over the, over the sea, and it made for a very romantic setting. And and so the Twains decided that they wanted to go for a moonlit boat ride. And so Twain approached one of the local fishermen and asked how much it would cost to take them out on his boat that night. Well, the man looked at, at Mark Twain, and he saw his white suit and his hat and his shirt and his shoes, and and, and he just looked rich, you know. He just gave that vibe. And so he said, for you, my friend, $25. And, of course, that was back in the day when $25 was a lot of money. And so Twain knew that it was way too much money for a boat ride, so he turned away, turned around and started to walk off. And as he walked off, he was heard saying, always wondered why Jesus walked. Now I know. I wonder if if this story of of Jesus walking on the water and Peter's failed attempt to walk on the water, I wonder if this story doesn't appeal to so many of us because we all know what it's like to begin a daunting venture and then to draw back because we're afraid. Fear, of course, is a universal emotion. Everybody is afraid of something. We are told that we are born with two innate fears, the fear of loud noises and the fear of falling. 
that comes the day we are born. But it doesn't take long for us to accumulate a lot of other fears. Many people are afraid of the dark. Some of our kids told us some of, some of their fears today. People are afraid of the dark. People are afraid of thunder and lightning. People are afraid of, of dogs. People are afraid of other people. People are afraid of heights or closed-in spaces or trains or planes or any number of things. Fear is a universal emotion. And unfortunately, many of us are bound by our fears. In case you haven't noticed, this is a hostile world that we live in. And everywhere we look, there is chaos and there's death and there's decay. We see it on the news every time we turn it on and it makes us afraid. And it's a terrible feeling to be afraid. We can be paralyzed by our fear of such things as as losing our our job or losing our, our marriage or our health or our way of life. And Matthew tells us that the disciples were terrified. And so Jesus said to them, Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. It is said that scientist Louis Pasteur, the founder of the science of microbiology, was morbidly afraid of germs. And that really shouldn't surprise us. You may remember that it was Pasteur who introduced us to the idea of germs in the first place. Pasteur discovered that these tiny little microbes exist almost everywhere. And realizing that these bacteria can can cause illnesses and sometimes fatalities, um, with that realization, Pasteur became obsessed with his own personal cleanliness. He spent a ridiculous amount amount of time washing his hands and re-washing his hands. And he even washed the bar of soap. He refused to shake hands with anybody. And if somebody grabbed him by the hand to shake his hands, he immediately went to the washroom to to wash up. And he was famous for examining, examining his food before he ate it for any sign of contamination. And he also examined his, his dishes and his utensils for any signs that they were not properly washed. And his obsession even affected his concern for his son, Jean-Baptiste. It seems that Jean-Baptiste was served in the, in the French army during the Franco-Prussian War, and he was stationed in an army hospital far away from the front lines. And you would think that that would give Pasteur a, a sense of relief, wouldn't you? You would, sense that, that you would think that he would be relieved that his son was not involved in the fighting, but this was not a comfort to Pasteur. You see, he knew that hospitals can be especially infested with germs. And Pasteur was so obsessed with germ-infected hospitals that he actually wrote a letter to his commanding officer requesting that Jean-Baptiste be sent to the front lines away from the contagion of the hospital. In Pasteur's mind, his son would be safer facing the bullets than he was facing all of those germ-ridden Injured and and sick soldiers. Wow. Well, here's what we need to see. Jesus doesn't want us to be prisoners of our fear. 
And actually, Pasteur had a good reason to be afraid, but, but think about how much joy was taken out of his life by his constant obsession with germs. Jesus doesn't want, to, doesn't want fear to rob us of our joy in life. Jesus doesn't want our fear to rob us of our effectiveness as followers of Christ. He doesn't want us to shrink back from our responsibilities to our community and to our family and to ourselves because we're afraid. Notice what he says to these terrified disciples when, he, when they see him walking across the water. He said, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. This is but one of many times, numerous times in the Bible when we are told not to be afraid, not to fear. And if truth be told, if there's one thing that many of us really need, it is to have more fear, uh, more courage and less fear. A few years ago in, in, in New Haven, Connecticut, there was a group of uh, gangbangers who confronted a young man named Winfred Rembert told him that <clears throat> they wanted him to sell drugs for, for them. But Winfred, Winfred turned them down, said, I'm not going to do it. Well, these gang members had never had anybody turn them down before, and so they decided to make an example of Winfred. They roughed up his, his 14-year-old brother and damaged his bicycle, and Winfred, who was only 15 years old himself at the time, he stepped in to defend his brother. And so one of the gang members drew a gun and shot Winfred in the stomach. Well, fortunately, he survived. And afterwards, he said that if he were in the same situation, he would do the same thing again. Because, and I quote, you've just got to do what you think is right. That's a lot of courage coming from a 15-year-old kid, isn't it? And it's always inspiring for us to to see a young person who has that kind of courage to, to stand up for what's right. Think about how many people have been inspired by a young woman named Malala. You may, I'm sure you have seen this young woman, an inspiring young woman. A few years ago, when she was only 11 years old, this young girl began blogging for the BC, uh, uh, BBC, the British Broadcasting Corporation. And she wanted to let the world know what life was like under the rule of the Taliban. In 2009, the Taliban issued an edict that banned education for all girls. Girls could not go to school anymore. Well, this was offensive to Malala, and she, and she said so in her blog. And she kept repeating that and, and, and said it in, in many many venues, many opportunities, wherever she had the chance, she would, she would strike out against this. And so in October of 2012, some misguided Taliban thugs boarded a school bus that Malala was on, shot her in the head at point-blank range. She should have died. Miraculously, she didn't. <clears throat> She not only survived, but she became even more determined to stand fast in her fight to ensure that girls everywhere received an education. Malala has been 
recognized by people all over the world for her courage to stand up for what's right, including, get this, folks, this is a teenager. She was nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize. She addressed the United Nations on her 16th birthday. Can you imagine? She told them about the importance of education around the world. And and I think I just heard recently that she's about to begin her college education at Oxford. By the way, Malala forgave her attackers, which she says is what real Islam teaches. That's courage. We see it in people young and old, and we admire it in any age, at any age. Uh, there's a delightful story about a famous um, evangelist named Peter Cartwright many years ago. And one day, the president of the United States, Andrew Jackson at the time, uh, came to, to, to uh, Cartwright's church. And so the elders of the church kind of pulled the preacher aside before the service and said, you got the president in attendance today, so watch what you say. <laughs> they wanted him to be careful about what he said because in those days a president could do serious damage to a, a, a religious denomination. So the elders had no desire to have President Jackson angry at them, so they insisted that Cartwright watch his words and not offend the president. They were wasting their time. When Cartwright got up to speak, the first words that he said were these. I understand that President Andrew Jackson is here this morning, and I have been requested to be very guarded in my remarks. So let me say this. Andrew Jackson will go to hell if he doesn't repent from his sins. <laughs> well, the entire go- congregation just gasped at this at this remark, and, and this, this was no way to talk to a president or talk about a president. And, and, and so after the service, Andrew Jackson met the preacher at the door, and he looked him in the eye, and this is what he said. He said, Sir, if I had a regiment of men like you, I could conquer the world. Evidently, Jackson appreciated meeting a person of conviction and courage. Now think of this. If Andrew Jackson could conquer the world with people like Peter Cartwright, then what do you think Jesus could do with Christian men and women of conviction and courage? My friends, being a follower of Jesus Christ is not for wimps. It is not. It is for those who are willing to do whatever it takes to bring Christ's kingdom to bear. That's the kind of devotion that Jesus needed from Simon Peter. All throughout the Gospels, Simon Peter was more like a reed than a rock. All throughout the Gospels, he was almost a comical figure in his eagerness, in his impulsiveness. He wants to walk on the water, and then as he gets out there, at the first sign of trouble, he sinks. He, on the night when Jesus was betrayed... Peter told Jesus that even if all of the rest of the disciples turned their backs on him, that he would never forsake him. 
And yet, just a few hours later, that very same night, Peter denied even knowing Jesus three times. Christ needed more out of Peter. Just as he needs more from us. Fortunately, after Pentecost, Jesus got more out of Peter. Peter finally reached his potential. Peter finally became the rock that Jesus knew he could become, the rock for that early church. He became the acknowledged leader of the early Christian movement. Traditionally, Tradition has it that, that Peter, like his Lord, was, was crucified. He died from crucifixion. Except that Peter was crucified upside down because he didn't feel worthy to be crucified like Jesus was. So, who in this church is ready, like Simon Peter, to take their commitment to the next level? To give their all in the service of God's kingdom. Philosopher and author Dallas Willard recently said, the leading assumption in the American church today is that you can be a Christian but not be a disciple. And that, of course, is false. To be a Christian is to be a disciple, a follower. Christianity is not merely a social club that you join because your friends are here. Neither, it is, is it a, neither is it a club for people who are merely fans of Jesus. As we've said before, Jesus wants followers, not fans. He wants people who will walk in his footsteps. He wants people who will deny themselves and take up their cross and follow him. And so the question today is this. Can he count on you? Are you a person of courage and conviction who will give your very best to serving our Lord? I hope so. Because the whole world depends on it. Amen. Let's sing. What a great song to conclude our service. Where He Leads Me, I Will Go. We've kind of been... Kind of notice the theme that's going on here. Following Jesus. It's not an easy thing. It's not for wimps. It's hard. It is fearful. It makes us fearful. But listen to this, folks. God is with us. And God can help us to overcome those fears. And it's not, up, it's not for us to alleviate our fears. It's not to be so courageous that we are not afraid. It is to be afraid and to move ahead anyway. That's what courage is. So let's sing together. Where he leads, I will go.
We praise you again, O Lord, for this time of worship together. We've listened for the quiet nudging of your spirit. We have sought the stirrings of your presence in this place. And we want to respond to your calling to us. So help us today. Help us to take courage and to not be afraid as we step out in faith to the things that you will ask us to do this week. May each thought and deed be guided by your spirit. May our motives and intentions be influenced by the principles taught in your word. May our desire be to live in such a way that we will bring honor to your name. We go in your peace. We go in your love, and we go with your hope. Amen. Amen. Amen.